I go. Yeah, so the reason why I love to do this randomized, unscripted, Realize Africa sort of like podcasts is because a whole lot of the other stuff that's out there has been commercialized. It's some sponsors who have an agenda who really just want to, in a voucheristic way, uh, latch onto a particular audience. But we're really focused on the youth and what's important to them in getting some real, uh, genuine, authentic, unfiltered perspectives from the people that we want to see do well. Yeah. So keen to know what you think about you know, the townships and the youth in South Africa and how that has an impact on who they can become and how they can become that person that everybody wants to look up to. How, how can I say? What can I say? I'm like, as I was saying, like, it all uh, starts with the structure. Mm-hmm. Like, where you, you at and the kind of people that you're surrounded by, you know. You can grow up, like, most in the townships uh, where there are all these kinds of bad things happening and um, no life plans, you understand, in the township and, but, yeah, those kind of stuff. But if Mm -hmm. there's no one, you see, like, if there's someone at home, you know, someone who, who's giving you a supporting structure, who's making you see beyond what's happening around you because you know you can want to be something but if there's no one who's helping you pursue that dream like a mentor like a mentor Mm -hmm. not basically a mentor because you know it's very hard to find mentors these days Mm -hmm. so let's just say maybe um, a guardian you got a guardian Mm -hmm. like because mostly i think it starts at home like as Mm -hmm. they say um charity begins at home yeah. So, yeah. so we've got to focus on the African family for us to impact yeah. the African youth in a real meaningful way. Yeah, because that's where it all starts. If ever the child is coming from a dysfunctional family, I know you normally talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if the family is dysfunctional, it's very hard for the kids to to grow up and be something better. Mm-hmm. But the minute you start to... To, to form some kind of a bond between that dysfunctional family and a bond between the kids and the parents, you mm-hmm. know, it becomes, yeah, it becomes like, um, what do you call this? Word? It becomes simpler and it becomes, yeah, yeah, it's simpler for the kids to be able to follow their dreams, you know. All right, so they get a solid foundation and I guess this brings to fore the whole idea of I am my brother's keeper that I've got to take an interest not only in my own family but maybe my neighbors and just be a pillar of support and positive vibes wow and how can we optimize that opportunity particularly for the girl child because you know there's more girl children in Africa we have the youngest population in the world and it almost seems like sociologically that there's more impediments to the advancement of the girl child, you know, as regards school, equal opportunity, access to resources and some remnants of traditional cultural practices that sometimes sort of disenfranchise them from present day opportunities. What what has been your experience and what's your perspective? Well, when it comes to what I'm thinking about is that in order to form 
that structure and make it a good structure like young men should be able to be should be the one to groom women you know those days men are the one who are putting women down like you find that you cannot get a job because you haven't uh, had any uh, relationship with your boss uh, or maybe your boss wants to use you for sex and stuff I don't know if they were, you know oh yeah, yeah yeah it's sad and we hear yeah, such really stories because across it's very Africa. hard for girls because whenever you want even if there's someone who will be like I want to help you it's hard for a, a, a female child to accept help from especially from a man Mm-hmm. Because they're thinking, what will they want in retain? They're no free lunches. Yeah. It's, it's all right. All yeah, right. you see, that's what makes it hard mostly, I think, for girls to, to like, go forward and pursue their dreams. Because if ever you're coming from a poor background, you need something to pick you up, you know. And if that person... Or that structure that's supposed to pick you up it's what's making you feel like it, it it's putting your self 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 esteem down so it's very hard because yeah I've never had bad experiences but I've uh-huh. seen where girls like they have to use their bodies they have to pretend to be what they are not in order to reach higher places and stuff you know where the human interaction with males who are supposed to be, uh, you know, sort of like community figures yes. end up being transactional. Yeah. And as young ladies are forced to engage in activities that they otherwise would not have chosen of their own free volition. Yeah, yeah. So how can we then create a platform where women who've made it in life, who've experienced stuff, who have the battle scars can then step in to be these figureheads that can help other young women to kind of cut out uh, the old guy who's coming in with transactional type help, which is not really good. How do we get, uh, instead of having heroes around these young ladies, how do we get sheroes where we can get women who've done it and that, that can actually understand why it's important to nature and keep the other young women safe and help them springboard to the next level? Well, so far, as much as I see, there are programs whereby you find women are, you know, like the women are doing, are doing it for themselves and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel that uh, sometimes, not all the time, and some women, if they could just let go of their ego sometimes because I feel like once a woman is in power, they have this ego and the ego is what makes it hard for women, for other women who have not made it to even go to them and ask for assistance, you know. So I think if women who are in power, women who have all that supporting structure, were able to put their ego, their pride down and try to have that... Humility. Well, yeah, humility, you know, mm-hmm. so that even... A lady that's feeling like I can't do this is feeling welcome, you know. Yeah. All right. So there's a need for shift in focus uh, in how successful women relate to younger and other women who are still trying to climb up the ladder. 
so they can make it easier for them to approach them and to interact with yeah. them and actually feel like they're in a safe zone. Yeah. So we have the older guy that's using his position in opportunities uh, for transactional engagements, which is terrible. And then we have the older woman who's done well, but now has a sense of ego and is not really as approachable as we would want for yeah. the other young women. So if we can flip it a little, you've been a, wo a woman with um, a high stream of consciousness, like mobilizing in the community and leading. Like um, I understand at some point uh, in the ANC Youth League, doing positive things for your community. What inspired that? Considering that the girl child is not typically very uh, prominent in those spaces. This is amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't put it like that though, but you know, growing up, I was very active. Uh -huh. So looking at the, the roles that people like, uh, oh, the late Mama, Winnie Matikizela Mandela. Yes, Mama Mandela. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know that woman as the one person who inspires me in life. Like, yeah. She did it, like, at a tough time when it was not fashionable to identify yeah. with the liberation struggle, but she stuck it out. Yeah, you know, it's people like her that make you want to do good and try to change, you know. Uh -huh. It's just that at some point it's very hard to change when you want to change alone. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you find with all, you know, with politics, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, the minute you go into politics, it's like you you're signing a contract of doing wrong when you're planning to do right. Tell me about that. Open my eyes a little. How does it work out that you set out to do good and then you end up feeling like you're doing wrong? No, like, because, you know, most of the... If, like, uh, whenever you want to put someone in position, like, let's say, uh, you want to put in a... a Councillor, MP. Um, MP, you know... You can never be a counselor because you're doing good. The only time you'll be a counselor is because you know people. Okay. You know, so the minute you become uh, a leader because you are leading the wrong group and you know people who can make things happen for you and not because you are willing to, to do good for the, for the community, that's mm -hmm. where things start to go wrong because you be uh they'll start wanting things from you all right and then you'll start getting greedy brown envelopes yes you know those brown <laughs> envelopes <laughs> but these days there are no more brown envelopes you know transactions okay. you know technology mobile money yeah mobile money cayman island swiss accounts you know <laughs> yeah so yeah that's what i realized was happening in politics so i was like nah that's not, you know, I think that's why even Mama Matigiza Mandela was struggling to, to be part of all this that is happening because mm -hmm. she realized that her part was not really doing her anything mm -hmm. because she was the only one who wanted things to happen and go the right way and while the rest are like, because you know, even if you were like, even if they know that you want to do right, mm -hmm. They'll use you where they know that your rightness is going to be good and it's going to work for them. But the moment that is just not what they need, they'll sideline you, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you were mobilizing the youth. You were bringing them to um, gatherings. 
trying you know, to get them to rally behind candidates. Yes. Yeah, because I was, you see, in the youth league, I, I didn't spend much time in the youth league because mm-hmm. I was already fed up of what was happening. Because I've been with, uh, I've been with the Congress of South African Students and my school and my community. So you see where this thing starts. <laughs> uh-huh. So all these wrongdoings they start from a very young age. So the minute. The, the minute you're, uh, you're saying you want to fight them for the students' rights, but you're also expecting to get paid from it, that's where greed starts. All right. So yeah. virtue has literally escaped the perimeter. It's yeah. now more about the appearance of good whilst making good for one's bank account. Exactly. Yeah. So as a young woman in those spaces, oh my gosh. You see, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard to be a young woman with all these things happening around, and you, you just can't go any further without the men putting you up there. You know, because I've seen, uh, you know, with women, that's the problem. As uh, in order for you, in, as I'm saying, I was part of this so-called politics from a very young age. <laughs> uh-huh. So I've seen where girls, uh, if ever you wanted to be an, an um, a secretary, because you know mostly that's what they say women should be secretaries. Uh, gender stereotyping. Gender stereotyping kind of thing. Even though they try to m- make a number out of it, saying it's three out of two, or whatever number that they're putting it at. But eventually, the chairperson will always be the man. Okay, so... Yeah. It's good for appearances, it's good for quotas and for a tagline like talking points at the rally. And then you particularly, I've noticed and I've heard you had and still have a great gift of, uh, is it oratorship or, you know, you're a great orator that you would be able to invoke in the young people the spirit, as you said, of Winnie Madikizela Mandela of standing for the right thing. But... Ultimately, you saw that it's just a handful of people that were benefiting from this and you stepped yeah. away. So, wow. This kind of brings to the fore what um, Realize Africa is trying to do, to raise the stream of consciousness of young people that there is a life outside of politics. There is a life out of institution-led uh, programs where at a community level, we could get young people, men and women, to come together and really look at what's good for their communities and like you said charity begins at home and have community-based solutions mm-hmm. you know just taken out there and cross-pollination of ideas and just the whole crowdsourced um, leadership um, you know in, in thinking and just come up with networks and platforms and opportunities that can help young people start businesses so they are less dependent on politics, on institutions and uh, third-party donors and so-called sponsorships, which really have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we can create an African youth that's conscious, that's financially emancipated, and that's woke to the need to invest in their own community and create jobs for those who look, walk, talk, and sound like them. It's nice. Yeah. It's so. very nice and and yeah, I believe it will do good, uh, especially if you find, like, you know, there are a lot of um, 
there's a lot of youth out there who's looking for such opportunities you know whereby no one will be benefiting out of whatever work that they are doing you know yeah. that's why you find that mostly they're trying some small businesses mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah it is a good initiative so isn't it interesting that we are here and remind me of the name Chef Pose. Chef Pose. And this used to be a power generation plant in Soweto, right? Mm-hmm. And they've repurposed it to like a recreational, uh, you know, quad biking place with uh, paintball type games and uh, bungee jumping. And this is interesting for me because I feel like there's a lot of uh, structures and institutions in Africa that actually need to be repurposed in a way that's meaningful, that raises the quality and standard of life and brings opportunity. So how do you think we could do this for different other sectors of the African landscape? Mm, I hadn't thought to that far though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, I'm like, I'm like there are buildings out there where you can start you know, I know at the communities we have like community centers, like, but they are no longer as active as they used to be because they don't, like, kids are preoccupied with the wrong things. And mm-hmm. yeah, so. And I've been to communities in Africa uh, recently coming from a tour in Ghana, Kenya, uh, Addis, Zimbabwe, where there's beer holes and all kinds of stuff. Um, some will say it's for recreational purposes but i'm looking at this place right here and i'm wondering how many beer holes we really need in our communities and if some can be repurposed to skills centers to you know the right sorts of places where our kids can have innovative hubs and have computers and free wi-fi and be able to innovate and learn coding uh, so they can catch up with what other young people are doing across the world you know do you think it's possible whilst we're looking at this place and how they've done it it is possible, believe me. As I'm saying, there are community centers where, where you find that with the, the, only, the only thing I think that is making it hard is because now there's a lot of crime happening and parents are very strict at how kids go. But mm-hmm. it's a good thing, especially if you started, you started from a very young age, mm-hmm. like when you start looking at your kids from 10 years, mm-hmm. at least you know they're able to think, they know a lot of things and they are very active or even younger than that mm-hmm. so if you start with those small kids and that's i mean that's like the youth that's coming <laughs> so catch them young yeah whilst catch them they young, yeah, haven't well, caught on to vices and mm, stuff because the minute that they come to the teen years and they already have a mindset a mindset of their own you know <laughs> so yeah i think that's what that's a problem i think the if ever people were to catch them young, that's where it would be most yeah, effective. most effective and productive, you know. Because once you get them at an age where they already know what they're doing, <laughs> it becomes hard, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you find there are all these It's young, always difficult yeah. to unlearn old habits. Mm. So as we started off you were talking about the need for guardians and you know, you've been opening our eyes to some amazing stuff. If the youth across Africa, affiliated with Realize Africa, 
you know, needed for you to kind of tell them three things that you think are super important whilst we still have you um, on this podcast. Like, what would be three general pieces of advice you would give to the young African in the present day? Knowing the condition that we have, that we are disenfranchised, we don't really own significant amounts of our economies. And like you mentioned uh, rightly, politicians will use us to play ball and once they succeed they do their own thing and this crime and you know certain sections of our communities are still in a very tough place they're in a tough uh, situation how would you motivate how would you encourage what three pieces of advice would you give i know i'll put you on the spot here. <laughs> you know, and i'm like trying to think what i can say but yeah. like yeah and I think there's tons of stuff that you can draw from your experience because as a youth, you got into politics, you were doing all the right things. And, you know, right now you're a professional woman and you've been working five years and it's, it's amazing. So you've got some words of wisdom to share. Yeah, you know what I can say is that um, dreams are to be followed. Uh, they are to be put into practice. So the minute that you have a dream, you just have to follow it, but never, ever let anyone put your dream down, you know, Uh because I think that's the problem that we have. So, yeah, that should be one, two, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fantastic. So we want to hear your name again. Matlali Pula. Matlali Pula. So live from Soweto. Um, I'm Dudley with Realize Africa with Masali Pula and um, we're just talking about what Africa could look like uh, if young people uh, take the lead in charging forward and uh, this is the point where Soweto, Johannesburg, South Africa, Africa meet and we raise our stream of consciousness. Let's realize the future together. Bye. <laughs>